hobbits, smurfs, little green aliens who use the force and wield a lightsaber. Small things are cool and big news, but compared to the substances that Dr. Stefan Bonn works with, Yoda is a veritable giant. Dr. Bonn is an associate professor of polymer and colloid chemistry at the University of Warwick's chemistry department, and he joins us in the studio now. Firstly, let's start small and simple. What is a colloid? Well, a colloid is a, well, a, a small object, really, a small, a small piece of material that uh, kind of floats around or is dispersed into a, another medium. So, for example, uh, fog in the morning, uh, tiny little droplets of water which are dispersed in air. You could say if the droplets are really small, really, really small, then you could see that as a colloidal type of material. Um, more generically, it's like a, a small solid particle that's dispersed in something. So, for example, in a liquid. So, uh, so you could think, take the rubber latex tree, uh, there's small tiny particles of plastic uh, that's uh, dispersed in a liquid. And that liquid is like water-based in that particular case. Okay, and um, as a chemist, what excites you about them? I think they're fantastic materials to play with. They've been around, you know, for, for centuries and centuries and uh, through innovations in uh, science, now suddenly these materials start to become visible. So we have these microscopes and we can see these things now. And then we can make all kinds of intricate shapes and forms and put them twist and make them hard, soft, uh, make them look really cool. And they do amazing things. So, well, traditional things, for example, your waterborne paints in your house. That's one excellent example already of a, of a formulation that contains multiple colloids. Uh, toothpaste, for example, as well. There's silica particles in there that abrase your teeth so they, they become clean. So a large variety of things can be done. Um, so those are simple examples, but also, you know, examples that are way more, uh, well, advanced. So like bases for templating for solar cells, uh, color enhancement, like really, really small metal particles that can be used to, to image in uh, biology or in hospitals. So fantastic materials. Sounds fantastic. Are there any frustrations in working with things that small? Well, if they're really that small, you're always eager. What have I made? What have I made? And you have to, you have to come up with... Uh, well, clever ways in order to visualize or to analyze what you've made. And, and sometimes this is really difficult. So really, really small stuff. We can see very clearly, for example, with a, with a microscope, which is called a transmission electron microscope. And big stuff we can see with a normal microscope. But there is this region in between somewhere that is, is kind of complex because the normal microscopes, they're like, for, for, for them, they are too small. And uh, for, the, for the very advanced microscopes, they are too big. So there's like a little vacuum in the middle. And that, that's sometimes a little bit frustrating to, uh, to analyze. The uh, Goldilocks zone, I presume, of chemistry there. Yeah, it's like the zone, the zone between like 500 nanometer and 800 nanometer is a, is a tricky one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what are you currently working on? Well, currently we're working, on, well, we're working on a variety of things in the group, really. So uh, we're playing with very, very soft jelly type of materials. And uh, we were inspired by nature. So in, in, in nature, quite a lot of gels are, uh, are held together by uh, what we call like secondary interactions. So there's no chemical covalent bonds. So I think it's the simplest example is, you know, your DNA helix. It's like two chains that are held together by, by hydrogen bonds and they, they form this helix. Um, so we play with materials that do similar things uh, um, and, and they create jellies and they create quite fun jellies so they can suddenly, uh, well, degel and then release material or they can move or they can change their shape. So that's one thing we're working on. Um, 
Another area that we really like is to play with what we call nanocomposites. So we combine inorganic materials like silica or clay with organic polymeric materials. And then you can make really cool coatings. So for example, you could look at flame retardancy or scratch resistance. Um, you can look at um, opacifying agents. An opacifying agent is something that covers an underlying surface if you make a coating. So, you know, if you want to paint a black ball, a wall white, um, and you want to do that with a very, very thin layer of, uh, of, uh, of paint, uh, well, you can do that if you're a pacifying agent, it's really good. So, so we're working on that kind of stuff. And then sometimes on the side, we play a little bit with like other type of emulsion based materials. So, you know, that's where the food thing came from. So we, we did a little bit in food, a little bit in chocolate, uh, which was more of a hobby really. Yeah. Um, you were a chocoholic or? No, oh, no. <laughs> no, no. Well, no, it's nice. It's nice. You know, especially in the Netherlands, we have this like little sprinkly um, that you can uh, put on a sandwich. You have yeah. a butter. We call it hagelslag or vlokken. Uh, it's not on the market here, really. No. I don't know why, because <laughs> the UK loves chocolate. I was so. going to say, that sounds amazing. That's, I know, um, I know. It's really weird why it's not, you know. I think if you would have an aisle in the supermarket here with that yeah. product on it, it will fly off the shelves. But anyway, that's a different story. Yeah. So <laughs> Next time I'm over, I'll pick some up. Um, so... What will these um, kind of uh, jellies and the materials you're doing mean for people outside of chemistry? So the kind of the real world application of this work? Well, real world ac applications, well, coatings is kind of logical, right? Your decorative coatings, your house. So you kind of think, well, why do you want to put signs in there? Well, it can always be better. And you can always come up with smart coatings, for example, that also insulate your house or uh, keep the heat inside. So if there's large temperature differences between day and night, that it kind of well, fluctuates that out a little bit. Uh, so th those things are possible, or coatings that can change color. So if you're bored of a red wall and you want a blue wall, just press a button and the wall is blue, or, or things like that. So that's, that's the kind of cool thing for those kind of, well, sometimes people say that's a low-tech application, but I think it's still pretty fascinating. Um, so that's, I think that's really good. Uh, Scratch-resistant type of materials, materials that have uh, certain barrier properties. So, for example, in food packaging, uh, you do not want to have diffusion of gases through the packaging, so you can preserve your food longer. Um, so, again, that those people people might not realize that the plastic cover in uh, uh, that covers their food up is uh, is is there just to to present it. It's it's basically there to preserve it. Um, so, those type of applications are are exciting. With the jellies, that's more high end. It's like we would love to have like little jellies that can behave like an octopus in a way, but then a mini octopus and can move in all kinds of directions. And then we're making particles, which is a completely crazy idea. We're making particles that can, can swim. So they're like little cells, like little bacteria, but they're not clearly, they're man-made. And they, they can swim and they can do all kinds of funky stuff. So that's a, that's a bit of a Lego dream, basically. Okay. That, uh, that gets out of hand, but uh, <laughs> it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, applications for that, well, that that's very very far away, I think. Well, now now you know miniaturizing stuff, uh, making very very small components goes now mostly through lithography, like uh, MEMS fabrication, and uh, and you kind of potentially want to do that in a different way, in a more dynamic way. So say like, well, I've got a liquid, I'm going to chuck these components in, they swim somewhere else, and then suddenly they make this larger shape out of the building blocks. Uh, it's a bit of fantasy, but it's cool fantasy. So uh, yeah, so that's. Uh, excites us every day so are any of those being used currently outside of the well yeah now? well coatings definitely i think it's a bit of a 
well, not a problem, but uh, it starts to become interesting this summer because uh, the EU has uh, changed their legislation with respect to the word nano. So, uh, so they are, now they want on cosmetic, cosmetic products, for example, from the 11th of July this year, they, if, if there's something small in there, and with small they mean um, things of around 100 nanometer, um, then you have to declare that on the packaging. So you have to say, there is a nanoparticle in my, in my formulation, or there is a, a nanomaterial. And a nanomaterial is more wide, only one dimension needs to be of that length scale. So for example, most clays, and people would think, well, clay, you just hack out of the ground. They're then suddenly classed as nanomaterials. Whereas people might think that nano is scary and nano is chemistry and nano is evil. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's quite of a daunting thing, really, because it depends what is the general public going to think of the word nano. Is it going to be good? Is mm. it going to be bad? Uh, you know, we don't want to have another GM type of disaster here that people just run away simply because... Uh, you know, their their full understanding of their full picture might be a bit limited and completely driven by the media and, and scaremongering. So, um, yeah, there there is a bit of nerves here in the in the nano small world. But if you think about it, those things have been around for centuries and centuries. There's natural materials. There's also man-made materials for centuries. So the Lycurgus cup, you know, the Roman cup, mm. this beautiful piece of material that piece of glass type material that if you hold it against the light or shine light through it it has a different color it contains 50 nanometer uh, gold slash silver particles in there and people suddenly you go like oh there's a nanomaterial in there you know like but it's just there and and with yeah with clays as well and silicates there's lots of small matter out there uh, you could even class proteins then as nanoparticles if you if you go really extreme so, um, so I think, um, well, obviously there are, there are benefits, there are risks, and it's very, very important that uh, people get the full picture before they make up their mind. So, you know, if they buy a product and it says nano, it doesn't mean evil. It, it, it means, you know, the stuff is there. It could have been there all the time. It could be really beneficial to you. And uh, I'm sure that, you know, um, companies will not put anything in there that would be of a health risk to you. Which is an open question. I suppose we'll have to see which way we go there. What other questions for you in the field remain unanswered? Um, well, there's, there's uh, some. I think there's always like two things. There's like making new type of materials that can do very exciting things. So we're working on a few of these, and then then the sun, sometimes they have properties, and you go, oh, I didn't expect that. That's a bit weird, but it's really really cool. And uh, and sometimes it's just very basic you we work on some very basic things so for example if you have an oil water interface and i put a small particle on there how does it behave how it we, we know that particles for more than a century we know that that solid particles can stick and adhere to a soft interface but we don't really know how they sit you know, is it more in this liquid or more in that liquid? Does it change the liquid-liquid interface a bit? As does it bump it or dent it in? So those are very, very simple, well, simple questions to ask, but the answers are quite often, uh, well, extremely difficult to answer or even not. You, you, you probably can't even, in, in some cases, it's impossible to answer still. And uh, yeah, that's quite intriguing. So things that look really simple scientifically, you know, why is this? Sometimes we just don't know. And that that's fascinating. And is is the one area that you're focusing on next? 
Well, those, those, those four lines we talked about earlier, I, I like to have my team a little bit dynamic and work on a few different things. So like soft jellies, um, making very, very complex particles that can do, well, science fiction stuff a little bit, uh, working on these nanocomposite things. And on the side, like here and there, play around a little bit to help out a variety of industries. We love to work with industry. We work with a range of different companies, all the way from personal care products. We're doing something very fun with hair there. Um, uh, we work with coating companies. We work with food companies. We work with uh, yeah, agricultural companies. So you name it, anything that involves uh, small material, colloidal material, uh, yeah, we love, we, love, we love to play with. Thanks very much for talking to us today. Stefan, thank you very much. Thank you. Our guest today was Stefan Bonn. Dr. Bond's research focuses on supercolloidal polymer chemistry. He has published in the Journal of the American Chemistry Society, Advanced Materials, and amongst others, Physical Review Letters. He's the founder of the Bond Lab. This podcast was brought to you by the University of Warwick's Knowledge Centre. The producer was Craig Hinks, and I'm GB Jenkins. Find out more at www.warwick.ac.uk forward slash knowledge.